Hi, and welcome to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. We've provided a collection of sermons, our midweek lessons, music, and many more tools to help you grow in your walk with God. We are living in an unprecedented and challenging time, but we invite you to listen in and be encouraged as we fight through this together. Be sure to subscribe and feel free to share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Thanks for listening. Renewing my purpose. Okay, here we go. Example of repurposing. Um, Y'all have heard of the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? Okay, they're called the Pittsburgh Steelers because Pittsburgh was in the steel belt. Um, That's where all of the industry was for steel. But then um, jobs and steel were produced in another country far away for less and then the steel belt became the rust belt. So all of these steel workers with all of these skills were put, were out of work. They didn't know what they could do and they were all concentrated in this area. They had to figure out something new with the skills that they had. And so they got together and what they've done is um, they took their skills to make turbines, wind turbines, because those are made of steel. So they're able to revive the industry that was there that had gone away, that had actually changed from the steel belt to the rust belt. And then they were able to repurpose and use their skills for to make modern windmills, if you will. Um, Shannon, uh, sorry, Shannon, <laughs> Shannon, if, if y'all have seen her Facebook page, she finds furniture either on the Facebook marketplace or on the curb or somebody gives it to her or something. And she will take a desk and sand it down, repaint it, and it'll become, I don't know what she does with it, but it's not a desk anymore. She's taken what somebody has thrown away and made it into, repurposed it into something new. Um, I got with Nori the other day, she's wearing these really cool earrings that had like the little, they were little um, bars, pieces of wood. I was like, wow, those are so, she's taking orders. (laughs) So um, yeah, support women businesses. Anyway, so she had these earrings on. I'm like, wow, those are so cool. And she said, yeah, my mom gave me a bracelet that was too big for me. So she got her little tools out and she repurposed the bracelet into these really funky little earrings. She's got an Instagram too. So it's amazing how repurposing is something that we do every day, right? So um, I want you to keep that in mind when we talk about our purpose. Um, When COVID hit, and I know you guys have heard me say this every time you've heard me say it, uh, when we went into lockdown, I tried to figure out, okay, granted this is unprecedented, never happened before, but yeah, it has. There's always something in the Bible that we can relate to. 
And so I'm trying to think, okay, when was there a pandemic or an epidemic or something major that happened? And it took me back to Pharaoh and the plagues because we've had tornadoes, we've had killer bees, we've had um, you know the virus, we've had all kinds of stuff happening, boom, 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 boom. And so I went back to Exodus and that's where we're gonna, actually we're gonna kind of go pre-Exodus um, because I want to build, oh wait, let me put my timer on, sorry. I made a timer so that I wouldn't go too much over my time. Nope, not 1410. Um, there we go. Okay, so <clears throat> I want to talk about heaven on earth. In, um, in Genesis 47, now y'all remember the story of Joseph. He had this really nice code. He was all conceited, talking about how the, his brothers were going to bow to him, blah, 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 blah. So they threw him in the pit, um, sold him off to slavery to the Egyptians. He goes there, goes through some stuff with Potiphar's wife and blah, 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 blah. Then there's a famine in Israel. So his brothers come to him and they're like, oh, please help us, feed us. And he's like, yes, I forgive you. It's wonderful. I've revealed myself. Go back to Genesis 47. You'll see it there. So that's how the Israelites got into Egypt. And while Joseph was alive in Exodus 1, it talks about all of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt. So all of these people came to Egypt during the famine when um, Joseph was like the number two guy, right? All right, so that's Genesis 47. Exodus 1 is where it lists all the family members who come. It's kind of like Matthew 1, you know, with the begat and the, the who's the lineage of Jesus, all that stuff. All right, so we go from there. And then Exodus 1, verse 6. Sorry, I was reading the scripture that Florence had. So now I have to find it. Exodus one verse six. Okay, so it says, then Joseph died and all his brothers and that whole generation. But the Israelites were fruitful and prolific. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. That's how the Israelites got into Egypt. They weren't always enslaved when they were there. They were a lot of folks. They were wealthy. They did well. It was great being an Israelite in Egypt at the time. However, in verse 8, it says, Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he was, shall we say, intimidated by the large numbers of Israelites. So instead of capitalizing on them, he enslaved them, put them into hard labor, made them do uh, build the pyramids and make bricks and serve the king and the Pharaoh and all of those things. So for generations now, Joseph is forgotten and these guys are enslaved in Israel. And then 
that's when the plagues come. Moses does his thing, the plagues, boom, 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 they happen. Israel is now, Moses is like, let my people go, let my people go. So they leave. But before they leave, they get some gifts from their previous employers because they're like, just please, just go, go, take what you want, get out of here. One of those things that they got was gold. And as we talk about repurpose, I know you guys are thinking, Octavia, where are you going with this? Just hang in there with me, okay? It's going to come together in the end and you're going to be like, trust me, okay? They get the gold. Moses in Exodus 25, Moses goes up to the mountain and he's having a discussion with God. And God is telling him all about the tabernacle, heaven on earth. He's going to build, he's going to assign to Moses a place where the ark can be kept, where God can be among his people, even though they're nomadic. So the tabernacle is kind of like a tent, right? And he gives Moses all kinds of instructions about the tabernacle. And it goes on for quite a few chapters, okay? And so um, he literally goes from the building of the tabernacle all the way down to the clothing of the priests who are going to be, I mean, detail, 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 detail. Trust me, I spent all of COVID looking, or all of lockdown reading about the exodus and the tabernacle there's really so many details in it but here's the thing while Moses was up there the people were restless down at the bottom of the mountain so a bunch of them not all of them got their gold together melt the gold that they got from Egypt put it together melted it down made a calf and started dorm in the castle. They were doing all kinds of revelations, partying, kind of like June 6th in Washington, D.C. They were doing that at the base camp uh, with the gold that was given to them by their former um, enslaved people. Um, and so Moses came down, got really upset, dropped the tablets, uh, they went through and they killed everybody who was doing all that dancing and craziness. And then the ones that survived, he made them drink the rest of the gold that they'd made with the calf. It was just all kinds of a mess. Then in Exodus 31, verse one through six, amidst all this chaos, this is really cool. I just, I love this study. It was so, it was, it was exciting for me to go through it. Um, Exodus 31, verse one through six, there are these two people who I'd never heard of. The Lord spoke to Moses. See, I have called by name Bezalel, probably saying it wrong, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with divine spirit, with ability, intelligence, and knowledge in every kind of craft, to devise artistic designs to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood, in every kind of craft. Moreover, I have appointed with him, oh, Holiab, son of, I'm not even going to attempt that name, of the tribe of Dan. And I have given skill to all the skillful 
so that they may make all that I have commanded you. And then he goes on about the tent of meeting. He goes into the, the details about what he wants. These two guys, they're basically the foreman. And he's given them this divine inspiration to be able to oversee the building of the tabernacle and the design for the clothes. Here's the kicker. So that was, that's actually Exodus 31. Moses is up getting instructions about these two guys. In Exodus 32 is when the whole golden calf fiasco happened. And then in Exodus 35 verse 10, Moses has come down. Thirty-five, verse ten. It says, "All who are skillful among you shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded." And then he goes down the list again. Where do you think those guys got their skills? Back in Egypt, when they were enslaved. All the skills that they got before the tabernacle, before Moses went up the mountain. All of those skills for hundreds of years that they had been enslaved, that they had acquired during their, their enslavement in Egypt, now is going to be repurposed. See what I did there? And they're going to use those skills to build heaven on earth. They're going to build the tabernacle. They're going to build the ark. They're going to build the lampstands. They're going to build, they're going to sew the curtains and the vestments and put in the jewels because they were jewelry setters. Every single skill that they had acquired, now they're using in the desert to build the church, to build the tabernacle, the physical building where God is housed so they can be with him. Can you imagine? Their skills were repurposed. So here's my question. Oh, and then they had to make an offering. Sorry, because my time is up, 38 seconds. Um, in Exodus 35, um, verse 20 to 29 is where everybody's making their offerings. And in verse 30 to 35, wait, no, wait, 35. Oh, darn it. Sorry, 30 to 35 of 35. Um, they, uh, that's where those two overseers are using their skills to build the tabernacle. Three questions. One, what skills did you bring with you into the kingdom? What skills did you have? Okay. I know my time's up. What skills did you have BC that when you said Jesus was Lord, you still had when you came into the kingdom. Question number two, have you used them to glorify God or to build a golden calf? And the last question is, how can you repurpose your skills that you had BC or even that you've acquired as a disciple, as someone who has a relationship with God, how can you use them to glorify God? How can you repurpose them to glorify God? Thank you, I'm done. On to you, Lolly. That was incredible, thank you. Um, so quick story time. 
So Octavia just finished talking about the temple and the Old Testament, and now I'm going to be transitioning to the New Testament and present day. Um, so when I was in seventh grade, I went to London and I had the opportunity to visit the crown jewels. And on the outside of the building, I remember uh, the most serious and intimidating guards and they were around the clock. And then I also remember entering the building and just have, there being intense security. And we couldn't take any photographs. So I don't have any pictures of the jewels. I just remember the outside of the building from pictures. And, um, and I'm sure many of you have had this experience, right? If you're entering a government building, maybe in DC or maybe another temple or a castle and all the precautions taking to protect uh, what's inside. And um, yeah, just surrounding the property. And, um, you know, Octavia spoke about the Old Testament, there being the temple was a way for God's presence to be made available to us. And from the Old Testament to the New Testament, we see this progression of God just trying to get closer and closer to us. And today he made his presence available, ever available by, in, by being inside of us. And so I wanted to quickly read it, 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. And it says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. And Paul is telling us here that God's spirit is in our midst, and that we are sacred. We are this temple. And if we are God's temple, what are we guarding? And what protections do we have up to protect it? And so when I thought of renewed purpose, I immediately associated the word purpose with something I have to do, something I have to achieve. Um, but that's not the purpose that I see in scripture. That's not the God I see in scripture. The whole Bible is this love story. And when you read it, we learn that God of the universe is a relational God, right? This progression of intimacy that we see from the Old Testament to today, um, always pursuing us, always fighting for us. And when it comes to our true purpose, of course, it reflects the heart of the true father. And that is something that I, I had to refresh and renew as I was studying this out. And hopefully what I'm gonna share right now will remind us you know, how much we need to be renewed by the true purpose of um, what we see laid out in scripture. So I just have one scripture I wanted to share um, and, and then I'll mention others, but this is the text that I thought that came to me um, when studying this out. And it's in Matthew 7, 21 and 23. And it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Okay, 
So Jesus is about to end his first sermon and this is how he's doing it, right? There's only a couple more verses left and this is the bomb that he drops. And this line, the line that says like, oh, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out, perform all these miracles? And these are the worker bees. This is like me, right? I, the achievers, right? Um, these guys were amazing, right? They prophesied, they drove out demons, they performed miracles, right? Modern day, it'd be like, these guys are always on stage. They always have the right scripture. They, they always serve the poor. But Jesus is like, that's not what it's about. We are his temple and our purpose is to know him and, and to do his will. You know, and I just have two simple points. And the first one is know God. And so the word know here or new here is, I'm not saying it right, it's Greek, but it's genisko. Uh, and it means to know deeply. It's the same word used in Genesis to refer to Adam and Eve being physically intimate. And that's how deep Jesus wants to know us. He wants to know us intimately in a spiritual way. And in the Bible, there's so many instances where God refers to himself as our husband. Um, in Isaiah 54, 5, for example, it says, for your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name. And a husband and wife, I mean, we know that's the deepest relationship a person can have to another person. And, and God wants to know us so much more. He is our husband. And so many of you know, I got engaged in December and sometime this fall, I'll be getting married. And, and I've been sitting down with lots of wisdom and trying to glean, um, yeah, just trying to glean wisdom and, and also reading Christian books and listening to sermons about marriage. And I've realized a lot of what I'm learning can be applied to my relationship with God. And so, one of these things I wanted to share with you is that um, it's important with your significant other to have a daily delay, a weekly withdrawal, and an annual abandon. And, you know, that message, it was talking about how marriage, you're supposed to prioritize your quality, quality time with your, your spouse and continue to date them. And how much more should we do that in our relationship with Jesus? You know, our daily delay that's like our quiet time that's a moment where we pause and um we give him our heart our our weekly withdrawal that's our sabbath and then our annual abandon that can be like a spiritual retreat and and during this time it's it's a time meant to unplug and and read the bible or the love letters that jesus poured out for us and to memorize them recite them in our head and see what the Holy Spirit is trying to show us and pour it out our heart in prayer or journaling our prayers. I love to journal my prayers. Um, we can draw scripture. We can write a psalm to God. Um, getting creative. But going back to that temple, this is, we have to jealously, jealously guard our time with God. Um, and this is hard for me. You know, you would think being in the ministry, it's like my job is to work for Jesus. But it's so much easier to do spiritual things instead of being spiritual. Um, and I need this reminder. You know, one of the scriptures that I held on to since coming into the ministry is John 6, 29. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. He just wants to know. He wants to know us and he wants to be known. This is, this is my job. And um, 
and we need to protect this. And so my next point is what protections we should have up. And so for point two, it's called, yes, Lord. In Matthew 7, the one that we read in the beginning, in verse 21, Jesus says, only those who do the will of the Father will enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, well, what is the will of the Father? Um, I think it's many things, but one scripture I, I thought of is 1 Thessalonians 4.3, where he said, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. You know, sanctified, he wants us to be set apart, to be holy, to be sacred, like that holy, that temple, and to imitate Jesus, to simply obey him, right, to trust him. And last story time, when I was in college, I was studying the Bible um, with our sister church up at UConn, and I was dating someone at the time, and it was an immoral relationship, and so as a part of my repentance, it was clear in scripture that I needed to surrender my love dreams to God. So as a part of that, um, I, I, I saw that um, my relationship wasn't in harmony with what I saw in scripture. And so I, um, so I ended it. And months later, he came back again in my life with promises that we would be celibate, that we would do it God's way. So we started dating. And I share this because I remember sitting in the living room of the Bastones. They were the couple that were leading our campus ministry and leading the church at the time. And they gave me all this amazing advice and scripture. And I remember, and this is so embarrassing, but I remember saying to them, well, it's not a sin. It's not a sin to date a non-Christian. You know, it's just God's advice. You know, and you can't say I'm not a Christian just because I'm dating a non-Christian. Um, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. I said these things and I didn't listen to their advice. I was stubborn and I was prideful and I was so foolish. And I still have the post-it that they wrote down the scriptures that they gave me that day. And I keep it in the front of my Bible. It's been like seven years to remember, you know, how, how silly we can be. If you want these scriptures, I'll give them to you later if you need them. But, um, but yeah, and so they pleaded with me, but I didn't listen. And so I entered into that relationship and it was uh, nearly four years and it was just so broken. We fell right back into the same sin. It became more tumultuous, more toxic um, than before. And I hurt myself and I hurt, hurt other people along the way. And, um, and I share that because, you know, this was God's commands, what they were trying to teach me. These were, this was his advice. And um, if you were, you know, if you listened to the message on Sunday, Joel preached about uh, Luke 5, where um, when he called the first uh, disciples, you know, I don't know if you remember, I believe it was Peter. Um, I'll quickly read that one liner that Peter said that I just, I love so much, which I think is the heart that I want to have and the heart I think we should all have when it comes to God's word, Peter, yeah, Simon Peter, he says, master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down my nets. And um, yeah, that's the heart I wanna have. Not because, oh, you know, stipulations, you know, this doesn't necessarily mean this, no, but because you say so, I wanna obey it. And so that's a part of guarding God's temple. Trust me, his word, this is our protection. Um, 
And that's all I wanted to share. Jan, unmute yourself. Okay, I've got it. All right, so if that means I'm last, do I get to go on for a little longer? I guess not, okay. Um, you may be wondering why I have these little, I guess they're emoji smiley faces. I will get to that. I promise you there is a reason. Um, kind of fun too. But um, Octavia talked about using your, your, your worldly gifts for spiritual purposes. And Lolly talked about having God inside you, the spirit, and how we need to nurture that uh, in our relationships with God to really live according to his word and according into a, a way that would please him and help other people. Um, I love ending this because this is something I've been wanting to talk to uh, about for years. Uh, and this is shedding the world to get ready for heaven. And heaven is not something um, that comes to is easy to come to mind because our lives are so rooted in the world. And I wanna start off with 1 Corinthians 2, 9, where it says, um, but as it is written, no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, I don't know about you, but I can imagine quite a lot. When I think of what I would like, I, my imagination's pretty big and I can imagine quite a lot. But it says here that God, what God has prepared for us far outstrips anyone's imagination. And God being as perfect and as detailed and with perfect love and compassion and knowing us intimately, I can't, I can't imagine what he has ready for each one of us. But it's definitely worth thinking about. And it's something that is easy to be stolen from us as we struggle with our daily lives and the things that we have. Listen, even, even before the pandemic, the world is not a, a nice place. We, the media does not help. It, you know, the internet does not always help us. We hear of injustices and tragedies and wars and famines and things close by and things far away. And all of it is very deeply painful and upsetting. And, and that is the focus of the world. We, otherwise we'd be hearing better things, but this is the world that we live in. And it is demoralizing, discouraging, oftentimes depressing. And yet God has a better plan for us. It uh, has given us something that we can focus on that will really renew our hope. And it says, um, you know, we talk about going to heaven as if it's a destination, but it really isn't. Heaven isn't a place. It may have been put like that, I believe, to help people get an understanding, but really heaven is beyond our understanding. It's the home of God and the blessed. And, and by the way, that's us, which is really cool because I like being the blessed. Um, and I like being one of the chosen and I like being highly favored. And I like the, all the things that um, Octavia and Lolly were talking about, about God's people. We are the kingdom of heaven on earth. That's what it says. Jesus says in Mark chapter one, verses 14 and 15, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. And it really is good news. In fact, it's better than good news. It's probably the best news anybody could ever have. And yet this world steals that perspective from us and we can't let it anymore. 
because we need that perspective to keep our purpose in front of us. I don't know about you, but when I am dealing with daily stuff, and we all have our list of what that negative stuff and stuff that it tires us out, exhausts us, discourages us, whatever that happens to be, when that is our focus and perspective, it's exhausting. Emotionally, mentally, spiritually, et cetera, it's exhausting. And perspective is an interesting thing. A, a perspective is a point of view. So think of that physically, a point of view. So we are looking at something and that is our point and we are focused on it. So my question is, what, if, that, a point, if that's your point of view, what does your view point to? What are we looking at? Are we looking at the world or are we looking at God's promises eternal promises. And so, you know, we may, some, some of us may have that heaven perspective or that is something that we live every day, but I would have to bet, uh, starting with myself, that that's an easy thing to, to not focus on because it's not right now. And we usually are focusing on the now. And so I want to encourage us because it says here, a state of being, heaven is a state of grace. It is being with God without the world getting in the way. There will be nothing of the world left when we're with God, except our relationships with God and each other. And I think that's really important to focus on. I wanna read this because I love this. This is Revelations 21, three through five. It says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and, new, and true. So when you think about I am making everything new, what exactly does that mean? Well. It will, it will mean that the world does not come with us. There will be nothing of the world that comes with us. And let's think about what those things could be. Our, obviously, we know our things are not coming with us, right? You know, uh, my, my stuff is not coming with us. My job, my money, my whatever. But there are a few other things that aren't coming with us either. I have a feeling that we won't have sex sexes as male and female, not necessarily in heaven. I know for sure I will not be of Italian descent when I go to heaven. I am sure I will not be a short-haired, highlighted, blue-eyed, blonde, white woman in heaven. It's not, I, I'm not going to be that person. That will all be gone because anything that has anything to do with the physical and the world will not be there. There will be no black and white. There will be no ethnicity. There will be no age. There will be no sex. There will be no uh, pain. There will be no suffering. There will be no of those, anything that would divide us here will not be there. And I can't tell you what a relief that is, that that's truth. And that's a truth that we have now. That's not a truth that will happen later. That's a truth that God is giving us now. And I want to encourage us all. It says here, you know, there'll be no injustice, no violence. God will give us respite. 
from everything that we struggle with now, no more mental health issues, no depression, no anxiety, no fear of anything from anyone or any problem, it will be gone. And yet I believe it's Satan's job to keep us from focusing on that because it is our privilege to be able to think of heaven, not as a hope, but as a truth. A lot of people hope to go to heaven. We have it as a truth, as a promise. And that is something that I think Satan tries to steal from us. Because if he can keep our minds off of heaven, he will keep our minds off of our purpose. And our purpose is not only to help ourselves and each other get there, but as many people as possible to have the same truth and the same promise. And frankly, the same hope of getting out of here in a righteous way. You know, it is, it, it, you know, Deanna, Rita, and I know she's here probably somewhere in the list, but we used to talk about, oh God, please bring heaven soon. You know, I don't know if I can stand another week of aches and pains and age and whatnot, you know, but the fact is it's already here because when we spend time with God, we are in heaven. When we spend time with each other, it should be a part of heaven. Now, that's not always true for some of us. We may struggle with our relationships, and it may not be as much heaven as it's supposed to be. But my, my thought is here is it's our responsibility to bring as much heaven as we possibly can, not only to each other, but to a lost world that has no idea what we have. And trust me, they don't. And so when we think about it, if you close your eyes and you imagine heaven and you imagine the, I'm sure that if we imagine heaven long enough, we would feel a, an amazing sense of peace, an amazing sense of freedom, a safety and a security that we don't have now. And we need to hold on to that. We need to hang on to that, that this is not a, pro, a, a hope it is a truth that will be coming for all of us. But why wait? I mean, honestly, why wait? Why can't we have heaven on earth now? Now, I realize that practically the world is in the way. You know, it really is. And, and we'll never be perfect. And it certainly won't be anything like being with God directly. But when Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is near, it, it really is. And, and it would help us spiritually to think like that, that even though the uh, Jews in the Old Testament had to kind of build their kingdom in their place, and uh, in the New Testament, the indwelling of the spirit, which we have, you know, is the kingdom of heaven. I think we have even an advantage over them because we now have the, the complete word to help us achieve these things. And so what I want to encourage us to do is think about ourselves with any, without any of those identity identifiers, if you will. And that's why I have these little circles because they're all happy faces, but there's nothing except their smiles and their expressions to separate them from one from another. And truly when we get to heaven, it will be, uh, you know, probably not cartoonish, but it'll look, you know, a lot of happy smiling expressions. And if we look at that now, and I can see some of you, you're grinning and some of you are laughing, I, hey, let's have more of that here. 
right? Let's make sure that we have give each other that safe place. Let's make sure that we're offering each other refuge, not only asking it for ourselves, but offering it to others. Let's make sure that we think, what can I do to give? Like Octavia says, what are my skills that I can offer? You know, like Lolly said, how can I draw closer to God? And then what can we do for each other in a, in a aching world to help them have the amazing privilege of knowing that heaven is, is near and is here with us. We're certainly not perfect, but the more we are closer to God, the more we're closer together, the more heaven we're just gonna have. And so whatever worldly things may interfere with our relationships with God, I may have a plug for disciples in motion here because it's really awesome in dealing with that. But um, whatever issues we may have with God or with each other, Think about how can I, how can you, how can we become the safe refuges, the safe harbors, the loving friends, the uh, port in a storm, the relieving of, of fear and anxiety, the shoulders to lean on. We have each other and we will have each other in heaven, which tells me that we really, it's not like we're going to come with something we haven't built here. I, I'm always surprised when people think they're going to get to heaven and all of a sudden they're going to really want to be there. If you don't want to be there now, you're not going to want to be there later because God's not going to make you endure his company for eternity, nor will he make you endure our company for eternity. So I'm thinking that what can we do now to bring as much heaven as we can have before we go and God makes it perfect? So that's my question. What can we do to bring heaven to each other? What do each of us, I mean, I'm not talking necessarily about skills, but talents, whatever that we have that are gifts that God's given us, whether it be a great listener, whether it be a great advice, whether it be somebody who um, has the time to serve, whatever it is, what can we do to bring more heaven now to ourselves and to other people who do not have this perspective and this hope. What can we do, question number two, what can we do to help ourselves not lose our perspective? Um, this may be a long question. Lolly, go ahead and cut it down or Lamisha if you want to. Um, our perspective, take it off the worldly things we think about ourselves, who we are. Like we, I, right now I have an identity that's rooted in the world, right? That Most of that's gonna be gone. All I'm going to have is my spiritual investment in God, my spiritual investment in my relationships. Maybe God will let me keep my kind of eccentric, quirky personality, but maybe not. I don't know. That's up to him to decide. But we are gone, not going to have any of this. So what can we do in squad? I don't know if this is a suggestion, but what can we do to make sure that we're looking beyond the differences so that we can build the similarities? and what we can do to not let our differences become the thing we focus on, but instead all of us orient to heaven and be looking at what our home is gonna be and that we're all gonna be there and we all wanna make sure we get there. So that's what I wanted to share for tonight. Um, we're not gonna have breakout rooms. Instead, we're gonna ask for some uh, sisters to, uh, to unmute 
and for sisters to share uh, maybe four or five, six, whatever we have time left. We have 15 minutes until nine o'clock. Um, so Lolly, uh, Lamisha, if you wanna unmute and I, I guess I'll take names or you guys wanna take names, whomever. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.